0: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Support comes from the Pennsylvania Hemp Summit, November 14th and 15th, convening hemp industry stakeholders to learn, connect, and grow. Details at pahempsummit.com. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here. And we, we just went out to Cider Days in Franklin County in Western Mass. And I got to meet a lot of folks of, with a lot of standing and, and, and passion for the hard cider industry. Um, and, and one of them is joining with me today, um, Steve. I'm
1: going to ask you to introduce yourself, to say your name and, and where you work and everything. Uh, I'm Steve Garwood. Uh, we have uh, my daughter and I run a small cidery in uh, Westbrookfield, Massachusetts. Um, we're uh, uh, located uh, uh, not too far from uh, from Amherst, a little bit a uh, little bit east of Amherst, and uh, we we grow apples, and make cider. Um, I've been making cider for for many years started drinking cider when I was a teenager. We used to have a cider mill here in in our town and uh, farmers used to take their apples, apples there. And uh, uh, when we worked on the dairy farms, the farmers would sometimes give us a drink of the cider that they had in their basement. Um, so I've, uh, uh, I have a, a lot of uh, sense memory of, uh, of, of, uh, Old ciders uh, fermented in in whiskey barrels, and uh, something that I I try to uh, try to try to bring to my ciders is is that uh, that feeling and those uh, those sense memories.
0: Wow. Well, let, let's go way back. So you, you you've got a starting point. I, I remember it might have been twelve thirteen years ago. a Friend of mine owned the the Blind Tiger Bar in New York, and every fall he was doing a Vermont. Vermont weekend and these kids at the time that were, now we know them as Fable Farm Cider, they were just basically pressing all the gathered apples from all the trees around them and it was really tart, putting it in barrels. And it was the first time I had that kind of farm cider that had been made with the proper apples, really tart, but then aged for a year in the barrel. And, And I don't know if that's how they make their the cider that they sell but it really perked me up too um what is that any different from from what what we're getting now you know uh let's just reflect on how that those farmers used to make their cider and what you liked about it how about that
1: well the, the uh, this is an old new england tradition is to is to ferment the cider in in whiskey barrels Whiskey barrels were were uh, always available, e- even in the old days. They're available now, uh, also, uh, especially now that uh, uh, whiskey has gotten so popular. And uh, bourbon, uh, bourbon whiskey, especially the uh, barrels are only allowed to be used once by the distiller uh, for for bourbon, and then they, when they're drained of their bourbon, they are the barrels get passed on. Um, uh, very traditionally, they, they go to the they go to Scotland, and uh, uh, the the Scotch makers age their uh, Scotch whiskey in American oak uh, barrels, American oak bourbon barrels. But uh, even in the in the older days, pre-prohibition days, um, these uh, uh, American oak barrels were uh, were available the uh whiskey was taken from the barrels and bottled and uh, and the distillers would discard the barrels so they were they were cheap and plentiful and that's what the farmers used to um if a farmer had a few trees almost every farmstead had a few apple trees here here and there or maybe even just uh chance seedlings but most farmers had a few apple trees that they cultivated and the small towns like ours in in, in Massachusetts uh, usually had a, a a local cider mill to, to press the press the apples. Everybody uh, had, had a, you took a little bit of cider, a little bit of apple juice, um, and either to drink fresh or to put in a barrel and and just let it go, let let it let it age. Whatever happens. Uh, whatever happens, let it happen. And uh, uh, as I say, that's the first cider that that I had um, many years ago from a farm where I used to work. You know, Steve, that that's a great intro to
0: what Cider Days well, at least felt like to me. This was my first time there, Cider Days in Franklin County mm-hmm. this past weekend. And there's that spirit of it, right? I know there's, there's been... Sessions about apples, but it, there is. Can people go to an event like Cider Days and and get juice that they can then ferment? Uh, let's just talk about some of those kind of real hands-on experiences at Cider Days.
1: Uh, well, yes. So some of the some of some of the local orchards press uh, press apple juice to especially to make available to uh, cider. Cider enthusiasts who come to cider days, so they'll often have uh, some different blends of uh, of apples that um, that people can experiment with and and make their own cider. And yes, that's always kind of been a part of cider days. Is that people who are curious, maybe never made cider before. There is usually some workshops and. Um, uh, some workshops at the at the orchards that that grow grow the apples so you talked about foraged uh, apples uh, when uh, when you first uh, started there are a lot of wild apples in our area because of the uh, quabin reservoir um, in the 1930s they um the uh, Boston area Water Commission uh, built a big reservoir in central Massachusetts, and they to build this reservoir they abandoned five towns, and uh, so there are a lot of abandoned farmsteads around uh, in the central western Massachusetts area around the, this this reservoir, and um, there's a, especially a guy named Matt. Kaminsky, who has uh, uh, kind of made a career of going around to these abandoned farmsteads and, and looking for apples, both wild apples and also just old varieties that have just continued to grow in these uh, in these farmsteads. So foraging there in foraging for apples is is kind of a cider uh, day's tradition also, and so. Um, uh, uh, and and to explore some of these uh, found apples and wild orchards, abandoned orchards and wild trees. And uh, uh, the, uh, Matt and others bring these apples to Cider Days so that people can, can see them and try them and see how different they are from the apples that you get in the grocery store.
0: Yeah, no, that, that was really cool. I mean, I missed all of that, but I... Kept seeing the word pomological. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you, know, you I, I'm really glad we, we got to talk, Steve, because I, I I saw you at uh, Headwater Cider, one of our favorites. Had a really nice event with several cider makers, and uh, I got taste through your whole line, which I haven't. I don't think I've ever tasted everything you made before. Um, let's talk about that event and how how it what what it represented to you, because you, you said there used to be a, a bigger tasting events at, at Saturdays before the pandemic?
1: Yes. So the Cider Salon, as they called it, was uh, one of the central features of Cider Days. It was usually on, um, on Saturday afternoon, and uh, there would be, uh, I don't know, at least... Forty or fifty or or more cideries represented there from uh, from all over the East, and um, everybody would bring would bring their stuff, and people could people could taste as as much as they want. The there's a little bit of a problem with events that are that big that you can't taste everything. Uh, you know, you just. <laughs> you can't (laughs) you you just can't make it (laughs) you you taste uh taste uh uh, four or five or six uh uh cideries offerings and and you're done you know they have to carry you out but um the event that uh, where i saw you this weekend was was nice that there were basically i think four of us there four cideries and you could um You you, you could taste through everything and there were there were a lot of contrasts. Um, Our uh, our approaches are different. Um, There was uh, cider of Spain was was there with a number of different Spanish ciders, which go down a whole different, um, uh, a whole different world of taste profiles than uh, than our typical New England ciders. And, and certainly the ciders that, that I make. Um, uh, so you could get a lot of interesting contrasts. Uh, but this, uh, the event this weekend was nice because it was smaller. At the, at the cider salon where there are just hundreds of people and, and tens of cider makers, um, you don't get to have intimate conversations with people. So uh, that th- this weekend was was very nice. Yeah, the,
0: the intimacy, that I think that's something that's very neat about it. It's not just like a big city festival. Um, we got to go to a, a few places, including we went to West County, uh, met some friends. We got to taste through several of the West County ciders, and they had an oyster shucker from Wellfleet, Mass. Um, and then there was a great cider dinner on Saturday, um, I'm not going to recap the whole the whole weekend but I do want to highlight w- where I was and this the cider dinner was was it was women cider makers including your daughter Anne um, and some other friends like Louisa from Farnham Hill and Eleanor from Eden and that was organized by Rhea Wincaller of Cider Chat Podcast um, and that was pretty neat I saw that's where I where I saw you and a few other folk but um, I, I got, the, I got the, I just want to say that I got the flavor of Saturdays and also being in that area, like Greenfield and those towns around it, in Shelburne Falls and a big shout out to our friend, Ron Sansone of Spoken Spy, uh, who really was motivating me to, to go out, to go out this year. Um, you know, we, you started out talking about the, the, the old farmers and the way they made cider in your area, um. I didn't even quite realize that the Connecticut river went through Massachusetts. Um, it, how, how much does that area define what new England is or new England cider? And let's say a little more about the the region that we were in this, like, is it central Massachusetts, Western mass? Um, it's quite different than anywhere else I've been in the Northeast
1: yes well so the Connecticut Valley is um, kind of has its own its own cultural economy and uh, and it's and its own history because uh it's a lot like the Hudson River people could travel up the Connecticut uh, river from from the ocean uh, all the way into central Vermont and um, it's always been a, a a center of of industry and and culture uh, here in New England, the 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 most of the apple growing uh, and 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 cider making occurs in the highlands that are on either side of the Connecticut Valley. Um, the, uh, the apples. Apples don't don't particularly like the really fertile soils of the of the Connecticut Valley. They're good for other other things, and they're some of the most fertile soil in the world. Uh, but apples do like the the uplands and the hills uh, that where the elevation is higher. The temperatures are a little bit cooler. The soil is very is gravelly and well drained, and uh, so where we were. This weekend, when we saw you, Jimmy, in uh, in Hawley, Massachusetts, is uh, is it, it's very very hilly. It's different than than uh, than say Greenfield, which is you know down in the down in the valley. Greenfield and and uh, and Deerfield. Our cidery is actually on the east side of the uh, uh, of the highlands, uh, so we're on the east side of the Connecticut Valley and. Uh, also, in a very hilly, uh, hilly area where we have our hill hilltop um, orchards, typically hilltop orchards, very well ventilated, breezy, well drained soil, and that's that's what uh, that's what apples really like. Yeah, we we started
0: that day yesterday. It was Sunday. We started in, in Greenfield, so it must have been the valley, and we drove up to to Peter's. Peter Mitchell's head, headwaters, and once we got to his property, it was like a, it was a totally different climate. There yes. was a wind coming in and and light rain, and it
1: got chilly. When in the morning in the valley, I I was wearing a shirt and a t shirt. Yes, it's a it's a, it's own microclimate. The the uplands here, um, and the um, as I say, that's where you find most of the, most of the orchards in, in, in our area. Uh, it's also, you know, if you, you can draw a line that's about at the uh, 42, 43 degrees of latitude, and it goes through our area, upstate New York, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, and on out through uh, through Washington state. And that's where you find the very best uh, apple growing areas in, in North America. Yeah, that's really great.
0: You know, the the book that came out, I'm sure many listeners know it, but not everyone does. It was, I think, a year and a half ago now, it was an American Cider. Uh, Dan Pucci was one of the writers. Uh, that was the first time I really read about some, a few different regions. Um it was the first time that made me think more about New England as its own region um let's let's talk about so you grew up in 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 that area. What were the first steps that you took with your property and did you have any uh old cider trees on the property when you first went there are you're planting them
1: now? Well, there are old apple trees just about everywhere <laughs> around here but um <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, our, I mean our trees are, are intentionally planted. We do plant, um, uh, we do plant our older cider varieties. We've been planting those for the past ten years or so. Um, we especially like the Roxbury Russet apple, which is uh, an apple that originated in Massachusetts. Um, supposedly the first apple. Variety to actually be named in in North America uh, comes from Roxbury near Boston. Uh, it was for, first uh, uh, first written about or, or note, noted in the literature in the 1600s or early 1600s. It's a beautiful apple for cider. So these older apples, this was making good cider was one of the characteristics that that. Farmers wanted in in apples, so the best cider varieties are these old varieties that were particularly selected for uh, for for making great cider. So we kind of uh, try to specialize in the, in the older uh, cider varieties. Although I'll have to say we do use um, one newer variety that wasn't developed in new england it's a california apple called a wixen and uh, uh the wixen has a wonderful pungent kind of uh, kind of flavor and, and makes terrific cider i uh i uh actually i didn't i we sold out of it i didn't have any left for you to taste on sunday jimmy but i i'd really like you to taste that wixen
0: and I also I also noticed just bouncing around I noticed there were two different cider makers at that event that had a, a quince I don't know if
1: it was quince blend or quince quince based cider. Yes, so uh, there's a lot of interest in in quince. Uh, quince has a has a some characteristics uh, are, are, are um, uh, a a sharpness almost kind of a. I'm going to say gingery uh, 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 sharpness uh, that uh, that makes an interesting cider you can't use it just by itself but blended with uh, with apple cider uh, it has some uh, has some some nice characters to it unfortunately quints are really hard to grow they're slow growing they're uh, susceptible to fire blight like uh, apples and uh, uh, People are are trying to grow it with some limited success uh, here here in in New England. Well, wow.
0: it's it's interesting. You know, when you, when you see the trends, it's it, that's that shows me that it's a thriving industry <laughs> that people are, are trying. I, I had a Berkshire cider, um, and he had a really neat. He he had a it was called Community. It was a a forage or community contributed for, foraged apple cider and, and and I want to talk about the different um, not just styles of ciders but by by alcohol by volume because it seemed like even there's I always think of ciders as six percent just as a benchmark and um what makes the the ciders at the alcohol by volume? Kind of know about brewing beer, but uh, you had a cider for eleven percent. You know, I've seen ciders for 8 and 9%. What's the difference in, in making it, but also is that just by design?
1: Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so, so some people uh, add sugar. Um, you'd call it uh, chaptalization. That's what they call it in the wine business to try to uh, uh, maybe try, try to soften up the, the idea that they're just uh, – adding some different in, in, ingredients in it, but um, uh, adding stuff to cider, it kind of is a, a New England tradition. Uh, the, the farmers used to add if raisins or brown sugar or molasses or what have you to their apple juice. If they if they felt that the apples didn't have enough sugar to give them a, a, a good alcohol level, But uh, what we've found with uh, with some of these old apple apple varieties that they 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 have a lot of sugar in them, up to uh, eighteen to twenty percent sugar if you let them stay on the tree. So uh, typically, an apple that you would buy at at the store is maybe eleven or twelve percent sugar. And uh, might you know might t- taste pretty sweet, so the am- amount of sugar that you that you have in an apple is, is what ends up making the alcohol. The sugar makes the alcohol. If you have a, an apple at twelve percent uh, sugar, you're going to get about six percent of it in in, in uh, alcohol. So it tends to be, as you say, sort of a, a, a benchmark most apples are around 12% sugar but uh we find that some of these old uh varieties have as i say 18 20% sugar so you can get up to you can get up to 10 or 11% alcohol sometimes with them and uh we 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 like we like to do that <laughs> uh you get something that's uh, uh that's very 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 fragrant, very spiritous, um, uh, and and really gets in in a different category of uh, taste sensation than a than a cider at five or six percent.
0: Yeah, no, and I I love cider. I've been lucky to to at least have been around it since 2011, uh, when the the first New York Cider Week started. Um, but yeah, I I wanted to talk about your 11% cider of the flora because it it was served at the cider dinner, I, and I, we can also talk about pairings because um, I, I feel like pairings for all types of beverages, food and drink pairings, kind of have fads and they and they come and go. Uh, wh- one fault of m- many of the the basic ciders that people get is sometimes that alcohol level is doesn't stand up to food. Um, but you had an eleven percent floor, and let's just talk about that that cider, kind of start to finish, just to give everyone a sense of, of what it is. Because w- w- when I had the dinner the other night, I thought, wow, this this could fill what like a, a Chardonnay does, or you know, a, 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 any other fuller body drink, and, and match up well with the, with the grilled veal
1: chop or or smoked salmon or something. Yes, well, one of my uh, projects or, you know, something that I'm always thinking about in, in, cider is to, um, uh, how to, how to get a nice big mouthfeel in, in ciders. And that, uh, flora, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a place for a uh, cider that is, is more, um, milder, uh, light, um, uh, like a like a, a Prosecco um, uh, but the uh, the flora was an attempt to get at this at a big mouth feel like not just like a white wine but by uh, uh, like a white wine that has a, a a lot of character to it like a vonier or um, uh, you know something that that, uh, as you say, can really stand up to to food, and uh can give you a lot of pleasure in in, in a lot of different situations. So the flora uh, is a it's a blend uh, of ciders. It's not just uh, it's not just one apple. It's some of our traditional heirloom varieties plus uh, some ciders from our uh, from our other apples, um, and uh, it it was uh, aged for a while. In other words, we often don't just make it as fast as we can. Uh, we we like to let it sit either in a barrel or a tank and and mature and let the let the flavors. Um, uh, my, my mature is 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 the best word for it if a cider has a lot of uh a lot of flavor uh, a big mouth feel like wine it uh and and uh, good uh acid uh a good foundational foundation of of acid uh it needs to sit for a while for everything to Meld and mature, and it tends to soften a little bit. One of the great things about cider uh, 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 as compared to wine, cider is, is is has malic acid in it. Wine has a uh, has a little bit of malic acid, has a little bit of citric acid, has a little bit of tartaric acid. but apples are pure malic acid, and the malic acid, is what gives cider its particular characters, uh, and the malic acid tends to soften a little bit um, uh, over time. It can be a little bit too sharp when when the cider is first made, um, and, but if you give it some time, uh, it it, uh, it it mellows uh, mellows beautifully. So the flora uh, is a is a cider that was made slowly started off with even more flavor impact than it has now but um, mellowed uh, over time um, I guess that's 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 one of the ingredients time is an important uh, important ingredient in making a making a fine cider
0: no, that that's that's really great intro. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's just about you have to. I think it's one more reason to say you have to go to events like the cider days, or even our we have upcoming cider feast events. Um, you really have to taste with with the cider makers and and really have the chance to experience it because I think outside the box, um, you don't get not not most places. I don't think you're really get a chance to taste real ciders. Um, also, want to give a shout out before we take our break, just to for beer. Uh, when we were in Greenfield, Massachusetts, we ended up having lunch at at the People's Pint, which I've heard of, and I knew that they were a supporter of local ag and local malts. Uh, for a while, I had their simple, their 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 basic IPA, which was really right on. It 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 it, it definitely wasn't too hoppy, but it had the right hops. It it wasn't hazy. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to going back to the People's Pint in Greenfield and uh, trying more of their beer. So big shout-out to them. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. Thank you. Support comes from the Pennsylvania Hemp Summit. Join us for the Pennsylvania Hemp Summit trade show and reception at the Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg on November 14th and 15th. Connect with industry stakeholders and grow the industry together through our 2023 industry planning sessions, industry and legislature panel discussions, success story sharing, professional development workshops, and a research showcase. Register to attend or get involved by exhibiting or sponsoring. Details at com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Support us, become a member at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Well, I got to spend the weekend up in uh, Western Massachusetts at Franklin County Cider Days. I've been heard about it for years. And then my friend, Ron Sansone, a spoken spy, really encouraged me to go up this year. And, um, Got to got to meet with Steve Garwood, who I've known for a couple of years of Ragged Hill Cider in Westbrookfield, Massachusetts, and and he's on with us. So we're starting to talk more about his ciders. We just talked about Flora and eleven percent cider. Um, you guys also you 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 released a a couple new ciders at, at Cider Days. One of them was a pet nat. Um I think that those of us who like natural wine, you know, Petnat's definitely a trendy um, you know, type of wine, but w- w- what's Petnat cider? And I mean, it, it, it sounds great to me.
1: Uh, yeah. So several of our ciders are, are what you would call Petnat or ancestral style style they, they say in France. Um, the idea behind these ciders and, and wines is that they're put in the bottle before they completely finish their fermentation, and then uh, uh, they're put in the bottle, uh, sealed up with a cap or a cork, and uh, they finish uh, their fermentation under seal, and that develops the bubbles uh, in the the cider. Uh, You can also, uh, some people like to uh, add, um, maybe a- add some fresh fresh juice or something that will produce a little bit uh, a-, a little bit more bubbles uh, at that point. But um, uh, the idea is that then the some yeast uh, remains in, in the bottle. Now making champagne is a is a somewhat similar process but with champagne they uh they do what's called disgorging the bottle they actually get the yeast out of the bottle and then uh you have a a product that pours very that pours very clear and um doesn't have any doesn't have any residual yeast yeast in it a pet gnat uh is going to have yeast at the bottom of the bottle so your first glass that you pour will be nice and clear but then if you, if you rock the bottle back and then pour it again the uh, you're going to start getting a little bit of cloudiness a little bit of yeast coming up from the bottom of the bottle but that adds a whole other um, layer of of flavor and okay. um, can can actually help to really bring out uh, the fruitier flavors in in uh, in, in a cider. So we do several pet gnats. We do a, a Baldwin, uh, a Wixen. Uh, the Flora is actually a pet gnat uh, also. It's very hard to control the amount of sugar that you have in the bottle when you make a pet gnat. So you'll tend to find a lot of variation in the, in the level of sparkle that's in the bottle. Sometimes it'll be a lot. Sometimes it, it, it won't uh, won't won't be that much. The flora is very lightly uh, pétillant, as the as the French say. Um, whereas some of our other ciders have have uh, have have more bubbles in them. In beer, you would call it uh, bottle conditioned. Same idea. Yes. Yes. So so same same idea. Um, but, um, but
0: once again, you're talking about it. it it's it's helping with the mouthfeel. Yes. And it, it does It takes a little more time, too, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it takes time. So after you close it up, you're you're going to want to uh, give it at, at the very least another three or four months to develop. Um, the the uh, the carbonation doesn't develop quickly in in cider. It's uh, at that point it's a stressful environment for the yeast and uh, the cider doesn't have much nutrients left in it. And sometimes we even have to help it along, put a little bit more yeast, uh, uh, put a yeast starter into the cider at that point. Um, But so at least another three months, Uh, I, I prefer six months. And actually if it's a, if it's a good cider, if you have a good, uh, a good structure to it, a good structure of acids and tannins uh, it's just going to improve uh, in, in the bottle the longer the longer it's in there
0: Wow um, just back to the industry you know one thing I like about Saturdays also is it's there's a lot of industry people there, but they're talking about apples <laughs> and they're giving away juice that people can make their own cider with and they're tasting i i don't feel like there's a it definitely feels like there's a lot of indie players and that's something i i like a lot about about the hard
1: cider scene yes i think that's and that's very typical of our new england cider makers uh, a lot of us are very small um new england uh, the, you know, farming in New England takes place on small, small hilly farms where we don't have a lot of huge open country where we have, mat, you know, massive orchards. Even It's even different than New York State where uh, apples are, are grown on uh, limestone soil. It's very flat. Uh, the limestone is well-drained, but... It's a different soil profile than we have in our hills, hills, hilltop uh, orchards here here in New England. So yeah, a lot of us are very small. Uh, we tend to uh, I believe that we're developing a, a typically New England style. Uh, our Our ciders taste different than. Uh, uh, ciders that, that you uh, see in the Pacific Northwest, let's say, or, or California, um, that you, you, they're, they're very different um, flavor profiles. Uh, it's because of the v- different varieties of apples, and it's because of the different temperatures that um, um, most of us cider makers aren't hugely sophisticated. We don't have big, big... Uh, temperature-controlled tanks. We're we're fermenting at ambient temperatures, and that makes a difference style-wise. Um, I'd love to do a tasting uh, uh, with some of my favorite California st- uh, California ciders versus our our New England ciders, and really demonstrate to people the different taste profiles that that we're getting. So we're gradually uh, as the cider industry is uh is maturing moving forward we're we're starting to evolve some very definite regional styles
0: that that's really interesting um and that that did that that did stand out to me that the, all the indies and you know it wasn't like a branded event it was it was just you know cider makers and i mean at that dinner we went to on wednesday night in addition to the women cider makers you said that there were experts there like John Bunker, and then I know that um, William Grote of New Salem Cider. They were all sitting at the tables around us. A uh, woman ambrosia from Nor- the Northman Cider Bars in-, in Chicago was with us, and Chris Kazak's, the cider maker at Eden. Um, it was really neat. You, know, you don't get too many industries like that where you have the actual owners or cider makers s- s- dining with everyone else. Um, so that, that there's a special feeling to it. I want to get to your pomo too, because I, I, you know, let's say I tasted from your dry to through your Baldwin, um, the Petnat and the 11% flora. I keep calling 11% flora because um, I do like it that much. But then there's the pomo. Um, and I did, I did buy a bottle and, and took it home with me. Tell us about pomo. I mean, I know it. Cause I'll say in 2009, when I was, before I got into cider, there was a Pommeau from France named Domaine Dupont. And through one of my beer importers, I, I always had some. Um, we actually would use it as a goodbye drink. We would we would keep a cask of it on the bar and get, give tastes to good customers as they left. Um, how, do, how did it go from getting Pommeau from France to having Pommeau from the Connecticut Valley
1: in Massachusetts? And how do you make it? Well, I've always loved French ciders. And uh, I have um, uh, often lo- looked to French French styles and French uh, methods uh, for making some of my ciders. And Pommeau uh, is something that they make in France um, uh, that uh, n- nobody really makes it anywhere else. There's not really an, an English tradition of a, of a drink like that or uh, a German tradition or a Spanish tradition. Just thinking of some of the other big cider-producing areas. The idea of, of pomo is, um, at its simplest, it's apple juice preserved in apple brandy. Uh, it's a blend of fresh fresh apple juice, preferably from cider apples, which means uh, apples that have a little bit of bitterness uh some some tannins some structured uh some structured taste to it so uh, apple juice that's that's made out of these uh apples and then uh most in France most cider makers make um calvados or make a, what's called calvados in France it's a, a apple brandy uh most cider in France is just a, uh, is just something that's that's on the way to becoming brandy so the ba- the base yeah yeah it's it's the it's the it's the base for brandy so virtually everybody who who makes cider makes makes brandy makes uh, calvados and calvados is really the bigger um uh, product uh, in, in France. So Calvados, apple brandy, it's just, it's distilled cider. Um, and uh, we have a, a, a local distiller here, Jerry Friedman at um, at Beaver Pond Distillery. He distills our, our cider. And um, uh, we, uh, uh, every fall, we take some of our, uh, Apple juice from our heirloom apples, and and blend it with the with the apple brandy that Jerry makes for us, and we put it in a bourbon barrel, and age it for another eighteen months to two years in in a bourbon barrel. So you get a drink that has wonderful multiple layers of flavor from. From the fresh juice and from the uh, from the apple brandy, which itself has been aged for a couple of years in an oak barrel. Uh, and uh, you get the layers of the uh, uh, of the oak from the uh, from the bourbon barrel, which is a highly charred um, American barrel, and that uh, charring, of the American oak, which has a naturally it's sweeter than than French oak, and it has a more caramel kind of flavor to it. So the Pommel has layers of flavor that sometimes remind me of of, of chocolate, even of dark chocolate and caramel. And um, um, but over it all, you get the uh, get the um, uh, a layer of, uh, acidity also. So it's, um, it, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a natural, uh, outgrowth of, of, uh, of cider making. And I, it's funny when, uh, when we first uh, started making it, when I first started talking to Jerry about it, uh, at Jerry at Beaver Pond, uh, I said, I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to make this uh, pomo. It's going to be a couple of years before it's ready, but I think it's going to be terrific. Jerry just said, how is it? Nobody knows about pomo. Nobody's ever going to buy that. Well, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> you know, I, I said, well, I, I don't know. It's just it's what I want to do. It's what I what I want to make. So uh, it's turned out to be to be very popular. The uh, The pomo that you have um jimmy is the uh i i think that's the third that's the third third year that that we've that we've come out with it it's always very popular we always sell out um so uh i think it's also i think it's becoming uh almost sort of a, a another typical new england thing you know our new england pommel is different than the french pommel we make it um, so uh, I'm going to digress slightly here. But no, we this also- is great. How is it different? Because so, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, uh, us New England cider makers, a uh, 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 number of us make ice cider, which is something we haven't talked about yet. But um, uh, have you had our, our ice cider, Jimmy? Do you-
0: I have. And, and um, we, we've done shows about different ice ciders. Um, we've had, I know I've had Headwaters, ice cider, yours, um, Eleanor Eden's of course, and a couple of New York ones. Yes. So yeah, we make ice cider here, here in it's, New England. It's, that's uh, that's the, the show piece one, right? Yeah. It's something everyone loves okay. and uh, it, people kind of get it right away.
1: Yes. Yes. So um, we, we, uh those of us who make uh pommeau style drink in in new England we 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 usually put a little bit of ice cider into it, and it it actually sweetens and thickens it up uh makes it a little bit more unctuous than the than the French Pommeau. and um uh, I think it ends up being something even a, a little bit different, and you know we really shouldn't. We really shouldn't call it pomo. I think it's different enough that uh that uh, we we should have a, a, a different name for it and after all the french that's what the French call it pomo it's it's a name like uh, champagne or like calvados it's not 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 really fair for for us to just steal that uh, steal that name i think the 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 name of, of Pamo is is what we now call Pamo is is going to change uh, over the over the next few years, I think here in New England we're going to have our own um, our, our our own terminology for it and uh, our own way of making it.
0: Well, that that's a thanks for the insight because I'll I'll keep following it and which means I'll keep having to drink it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, so we won't call it from we'll what do we call it harvest something. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, well we've got uh when 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 we get together with uh uh like with uh the people you mentioned Eleanor and 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 Peter and um uh, other people uh, uh Jonathan Carr uh, those of us who who make pomo and make ice cider we're we're kicking around a, a bunch of names uh yeah and even with uh, as you mentioned a- Ambrosia uh Borowski um we're, 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 we're looking for a name. We're looking for another name.
0: Well, that's great. We're, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll probably leave it at that and There's just there. let people think about it. Cause, um, could do a name competition. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess it takes, I guess after a while too, it's, it's hard to explain to people what Pomo is. And if yours is slightly different, um, that's good. W- one last thing, um. You know, I don't want to get too into goals. I'm I'm glad you like kind of said more about the indies and the 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 small farms uh, of of New England. Um, I didn't want to go to fire blight, but you, you you did talk about it before the show. What's the challenge for the growers of New England? And I want to give a shout out to Benjamin Watson, who would have been on the show, but he has an internet issue where he is in the country. Um, so we didn't. We would have talked more about growing apples, but I'm glad we got to talk with Steve Garwood of Ragged Hill Cider in West Brookfield, Massachusetts. Um, so fire blight. Just a quick one-on-one. What's fire blight, Steve, and and why is it a problem for you
1: guys? Well, um, fire blight is. Uh uh it, it's a terrible disease uh, apple trees are are susceptible to it also quince trees and uh, other other kinds of trees that are related um it 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 didn't used to be such a problem uh but it's uh it's becoming a problem with uh with the changing climate here in new England it's a problem as the weather, as the spring weather is becoming warmer. Um, without getting too deep into in the weeds, fire blight—it's it, a bacteria—and it, uh, it, it it attacks the tree when the blossoms are open and when there's warm, wet weather while the blossoms are open in the tree and it 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 gets into the tissues of the tree through the through the open blossom. So what's happening in in New England is that the the weather is becoming warmer and wetter at the time that the trees are blooming. And that's causing fire blight to to be on the on the increase so in uh the there's an added problem with the apples that that uh that that we like those of us who who make fine cider they tend to be late blooming they're they're late harvesting and they're and they're late blooming they're the apples that we harvest in in late October, or early November, and they bloom later than um, uh, that, than your regular eating apples like Macintosh and and Honeycrisp. So the fire blight conditions are are even worse when these apples are, are blooming. So it's becoming a problem, especially for uh, for cider makers, and the uh the fire blight is is moving northwards with the with the warming climate and um it's uh it, it's 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 just a big uh, it's a big problem
0: so it's 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 not easy <laughs> um yeah yeah i just want to thank you steve for uh taking the time with me i just wanted to give a little spotlight of of what does happen at franklin county cider days in massachusetts why it's so great all the great independent producers and cider makers and, 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 enthusiasts that are there one shot out there. There, there's a, we talk about English knowing their cider uh, at the dinner table with me on Saturday night, there was a man who was born in England, um, and had always had a taste for good ciders. Uh, he's been, he'd been going to the Saturdays event for over 11 years. So, um, it's pretty neat that it brings so many people together in, in the way that it did. And I'm going to leave it at that because um, we'll, we have many more shows to do about cider and events and cider feasts and all that. But, Steve, thank you so much for joining me here on Heritage Radio Network. Big shout-out to our engineer, Armin Spengen. I'm Jimmy Carmoni. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast.